the blast from our past network. Card ride! Card ride! Hello, Newman. This is so f***ing good! No good for you! These pretzels are making me thirsty! Not that there's anything wrong with that. Serenity now! He's a re-gifter! Well, let's start the insanity. Giddy up. Welcome to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are two super fans giving you every single episode of Seinfeld back to back to back to back because we love Seinfeld. You love Seinfeld. And that's why you are listening to this free episode of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And if you want all the episodes of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, make sure you check out our Patreon. And you will definitely want to do that because that's going to give you every single episode at the $1 level. And at the $5 level, you get Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. That's right. That's patreon.com slash cartwright. Patreon.com slash cartwright. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, today's episode, we are talking the hot tub time machine, or just just the hot tub. <laughs> the hot tub, season seven, episode five. It first aired October 19th, 1995. Corbin, man, could you please give us that synopsis? Of course. The hot tub time machine. Elaine hosts Jean-Paul for the New York City Marathon. He has a history of oversleeping, so Jerry fixates on ensuring he's up in time for the race. Kramer installs a hot tub in his living room. (laughs) Yeah, that is pretty much the gist. And we are starting off with another stand-up. We have not gotten rid of stand-ups. We thought this was the season that they're over, but we are wrong. They are continuing stand-ups. So, yes, what is this one on? (laughs) I don't know, man. It's, that's on the silver, Olympics. Silver medals, kind of. It, kind of. It. All right, guys. I transcribed it. I'm going to try to do it the way he did it. This was the weirdest energetic stand-up I've ever seen Jerry Seinfeld do. Almost like he did coke before doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel bad for the silver medal winner at the Olympics. How do you live with that for the rest of your life? People are going to keep asking, how much did you lose by? I don't even know. I was like, no, 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 no. Was like, no, no, no. It was, uh, and that was it. And I lost. I trained. I worked out. I exercised. I did everything. I was doing push-ups, sit-ups. I never did anything but exercise and work out for 20 years. I flew around the world and ah, and that was. It was a photo finish. Silver puts his neck back, stretches it forward. Gold. If I had a pimple, I would have won. So this in entire thing needed a visual reference of what he was doing but even with it it was such a schizophrenic like dialogue it was so freaking weird dude yeah i i I did not care for this one uh it just it didn't feel like a proper seinfeld one at the same time it also was like I'm sorry, a silver medal is still fucking amazing. I think yeah. even, you know, I guess those, there's a hint of disappointment, but at the same time, like, oh, wow, I'm the second best person in the entire fucking world at this moment at this sport. Like, you know, not even even after a while, they're not going to shit on that, you know? Yeah, no, I don't think so. And, and, and just it, the way he delivered it all, it was so fucking weird, yeah, that, that dialogue. And not, not all the time are they like that super photo finish anyway. I don't know. Yeah. It's just kind of just felt off. Now, 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 now. Oh, wait, no, no. I was like, what are you doing, Jerry? This is not a good look for you. <laughs> no. So. All right. What is a good look? 
Jerry and George at Monk's. Always good. <laughs> like, that's where they're supposed to be. Uh, and yeah. Elaine's there, too, and they're picking at her for writing on in this Jay Peterman's catalog, which is super cheesy. Um, and it really blew my mind when you told me that was a real thing. I just <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue. So, yeah. Uh, so George talks about, uh, you know, how to be busy. You know, there's not much going on right now at work because it's not during the season. During the season, he's busy. When it's not, he just wants to look busy. And how do you do that? You look annoyed. That's <laughs> right, dude. I have used this because of George. I have yep. used this at jobs before. And guess what, guys? It works 100% of the time. Absolutely. I mean, you have that, that frustrated look on your face. People assume you're just stressed out from too too much work yeah. like constantly. So, And also, by the way, I, I hate jobs where, like, you have to always be there the same amount of hours every day, but like there's some days that just are have are going to have more work than others. I would always be like, just let me like, as long as I get my work done, yeah. I'm done. You know what I mean? That's yeah, not the American way, my man. Nah, you gotta, not. What do you want? You got to move to Europe, you fucking hippie, if that's what you want to do. I, I do. I do. But uh, <laughs> that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah, they make it a lot harder to like move across the country, you know, as, as you get older and other stuff fucking it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if anybody wants to get me a work visa, and can we get a work visa for podcasting? And you know, let's let's move to you know someplace in Europe, or I'd say probably an easier English-speaking country. Um, but if anyone wants to, uh, you know, provide work visas for me and Corey, we will gladly move across the country or all, out, out across the world. All we need is uh, is freaking internet, really. I mean, that's yeah. that's it. That's all I need, guys. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, digital nomad. It is a. It's an interesting life. I don't know if I'm ready for that, if that's what I want, but I do respect it. And the people who can do that, props to them. Mega props to them. Yep. So, all right. Elaine uh, needs to write up this whole thing about these Himalayan walking shoes. But, uh, you know, she's having trouble kind of thinking of the words that she needs. And also, she's kind of tied up right now because she's got this guy, Jean-Paul Jean-Paul, staying with her for a big race marathon or big marathon coming up, which I wonder how she got into, like, you know, having somebody stay with you. Um, I didn't know that was a normal thing. Like, you know, I guess just, I guess, you know, just volunteering your, your place in your, at your apartment. Yeah. So whatever. almost like maybe like an Airbnb, but before that, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, but we do get a little backstory on him with why he was named Jean-Paul Jean-Paul is an <laughs> interesting choice, <laughs> but, but then anyway, we find out that he was in the Olympics and uh, he overslept. And you know that's and that's why he missed it, and there was such a big story about that. What was this? Is this a reference to like a real person that happened to, or or maybe like, obviously like it's not their name or whatever? But I'm I'm just curious if this was like something that actually happened around that time, or something that was more of zeitgeisty cultural at the time. Um, I am not seeing something because I'm quickly googling why you did. Yeah. I see something like from. Uh, maybe the two th- in, in 1960, okay. somebody overslept through the Olympic trials, but not the Olympics. Uh, yeah, I don't see anything that this would have been a direct correlation for. Okay. And, and even when I was younger, I assumed that it was, but yeah, I, I really don't know. And, uh, there, you know, this one, this episode does not have a behind the scenes, uh, making of like, like the soup Nazi, mm-hmm. the next one does. So I, I didn't really have any information on that either. Yeah. Uh, Jerry pressures Elaine, about making sure that, you know, he she gets him up because of, you know, the the hardships he's already had to deal with, you know, and he just doesn't, you kind of see these 
hints that he doesn't trust her. He doesn't trust her method to make sure that <laughs> she's awake to get Jean-Paul there on time. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, they end up seeing somebody that they know at the restaurant, and it's an unwed mother. Uh, it's person neighbor of Elaine's, and she says, oh, you know, don't, don't tell them. And, you know, this was a different time. Now, I think there is still, you know, a little bit of that... Um, stigma? Not, stigma, thank you. I was trying to think of faux pas is not the right word, but stigma. Yeah. Um, but it's not what it was, you know? People, women, if they want to have their own child and if they're not in wedlock, who cares? I mean, I grew up in a with a single mother, so it kind of, even mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I didn't... I guess I didn't know that there was a stigma attached to, like, unwed mothers or something like that. So, and yeah, you know, it, when I watch it now, I'm like, yeah, it's... Okay, it, I feel like it's it doesn't hold up as well right now. I don't think people get as upset. But I mean, if you called a kid a bastard, of course they're going to get upset no matter what. Yeah, Corey was a wee little bastard. <laughs> I mean, I was. I actually was. <laughs> oh, you had a father. Oh, I guess. They, well, I guess. I guess, well, I guess yeah, the, you weren't the, born out of wedlock. Yeah, I guess so. I guess the the like the actual terminology of a bastard is like the, your dad is just not in your life at all, right? Like um, zero. No, I think I think it's out of wedlock. I okay, think. okay. Well, then, yeah, I guess I technically wasn't a bastard then because they got divorced when I was like four. Yeah, tell or us, something. internet, what is a bastard? Yeah. We really want to know. <laughs> <laughs> is Corey a bastard or Am is Adam I a bastard? bastard? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Uh, at work, George continues. He shows that he is looking annoyed, and it's working, Mister Wilhelm. Uh, is obviously you know convinced that George is working hard, but maybe kind of starting to get worried about him. Oh, uh, oh Mr. Wilhelm is concerned. <laughs> yeah, he is. So uh, George, Jerry, and Kramer, uh, they are at, together, and they're debating the whole faulty alarm clocks. You know, what happened? Why Jean-Paul, Jean-Paul missed it? Uh, you know, Kramer mentions, oh, you know, he doesn't use them. You know, he just has an internal clock, and it works perfectly. Um, I mean, dude, this whole time I was like, oh, so so now we're back to a reality where people grew up with alarm clocks and, uh, oh, yeah. and you know, and, and when literally just— Literally the episode before. Yeah, just before, they they literally made us believe that they existed in a world where alarm clocks just didn't even exist. And, dude, after we recorded that episode and, and talked about that and everything, I watched freaking Monster Squad. And that movie came out, like, in 87, and there's a fucking—there's a shot of an alarm clock and a kid yes. hitting it. And I'm like, that episode of Seinfeld was insane to make yeah. to try to like to force that joke that the alarm clocks do not exist. Insanity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, um, I mean, we, I rated it okay. I mean, it was kind of like you know fairly decent, yeah. but it had its, but it was still a ridiculous concept. Right, and then here it's like you're not even living in the same universe because then why aren't they no. having the conversation about like uh, just calling the having a alarm uh, a call person wake you up and in the morning? You know, what yes, I mean? and there's even something. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that because yeah. I had that I wrote that down exactly. Uh, so we also find out that Kramer is filling up some water for his hot tub that he's got in his living room, <laughs> which I do. There's a good little line here where George is like, you know what's he doing, you know, can't he use his own water? And George is like, or, and Jerry's like, I don't even question this stuff anymore. And it's yeah. like, you know what? We're, exactly. We've seen that character enough. His quirks are just, you just accept it. Whatever the hell it is, you kind of, you're along for the ride. Especially the amount of time that Jerry has lived next to Kramer for. Yeah. Yep. At this point. Yep. Don't even care. Just well, do what what you about the do. time? What about the time that he lived next to Kessler? <laughs> Sorry. Just, yeah, very just good. So very funny. Hey, oh, hey, all right. At uh, at monks, um, at monks, Elaine in, uh, introduces Jean Paul to Jerry, uh, and they kind of he asks about, oh, you know what? Uh, was it the snooze? Was it the AM PM? 
No, man. It was a separate knob. A <laughs> separate knob for the volume. Uh, for the for the radio alarm. You had to have separate knob for the, you know, the volume and the radio. Did yours, have you ever had an alarm clock like that? I never have. No, man. Like, yeah, my alarm clocks didn't, I never had one that looked like that. Although my grandpa's did, but I never, like, set it. Because if I was spending it on my grandpa's, I didn't really care. But yeah, dude, nah, nah, it's, but I do remember alarm clocks being crazy back in the day, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm sure there's some that have that. Yeah, and, and I will say that I did like when Elaine goes to the she like goes to the bathroom. Jerry's just looking at Jean Paul. He's like, "So what happened?" <laughs> it just yes. cuts right to the chase, you know. Exactly. Yep. But Jerry just devotes himself to making sure that Jean Paul is gonna be good. That he's gonna get there. You know, he, you can tell Jerry he's he's focused. He wants to help this guy out. Mm-hmm. So uh, we see some further kind of frustrations from George. Um, you know, he's, he, he can't figure it. out to kneel and captain yeah. and to kneel crossword. <laughs> yes. Then he like tries to, what, hit a fly or some shit like that. I yeah. can't remember. And, and Wilhelm you know. is just, Mr. Wilhelm, so good. So concerned. He's like, Oh no, poor exactly. George, <laughs> poor George. And so to make him, you know, relax a little bit on the job, he sends him to go hang out with some guys from the Houston Astros. All right. We will get back to them. <laughs> Those uh, bastards. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get back to them. Uh, Elaine is late to Jerry's apartment, and so now he's done. He does not trust her to take care of John Paul. Uh, she also fucks up the microwave. Yeah. She said it for like two minutes as opposed to 20 seconds. The, the microwave that is clearly not on at all because there's no <laughs> clock on it. She opens it. No light open comes yeah. on in the microwave. That she clo- I was like, this is hilarious. I couldn't, I couldn't not fixate on the microwave. And this is the first time I ever noticed it. I'm like, that's clearly not even on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, yeah, they're, uh, you know, things are a little tense right now. So... You know, they're recommending, was it Jerry, to uh, go take a soak. You know, he needs to go take a soak in the, uh, in the, in the living room hot tub. You know, it's like Sweden, man. Sweden! <laughs> I'm, not t- I'm not taking a soak in that human bacteria frap you got going on in there. <laughs> yeah. Yes, which I like that. I mean, that fits well with, with Jerry's, um, you know, germaphobe yeah. kind of vibe a little bit. But also, uh-huh. he's also fairly rational against Kramer's sickness. You know Kramer just like... He's in there all the time. He's not wearing anything. He's just probably He's not, peeing in there. And, yeah, not changing the water. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, we see George with the Houston Astro guys, and it's all this bastard this, son of a bitch that. It's just the fun, I guess, Texas talk. To, I mean, I've never met a Texan who talks exactly like that, but, you know, there are. I've, I've kind of met guys kind of like that, I guess. Close yeah. enough. I guess I'm probably I'm probably kind of like that a little bit. (laughs) Actually, that is how I would picture you if you worked for a baseball (laughs) organization. That would be I I do picture that being like your how you take clients out and stuff like that. (laughs) Probably would be, (laughs) which is great. I I always loved them. By the way, even when I was a kid, I thought they were so much fun. These fucking uh, uh, bastards, you know, and sons of bitches. And George, just at first, he's a little sheepish, but I like how he kind of quickly just goes right in with it, you know? Exactly. Uh, one of the actors on there is Leon Rossum, mm. who I recognize he's been in True Grit. He's been in plenty of stuff, but I recognized him most because I'm a big, big Lebowski fan, and he played the sheriff in Malibu. Get out of Malibu, deadbeat. Get out of Malibu, Lebowski. <laughs> he was the guy who, uh, he was the sheriff who uh, kicked out Lebowski in there. Nice. And then Charles Cyphers is the other one. You might recognize him from Halloween. Oh. Uh, he was in that movie, but I recognize him most. He was in the movie Major League. Um, he was kind of like the right-hand man for like the the, the boss bitch, um, oh. like the, the mean lady. Yeah. She kind of had like a sniveling side guy. He wasn't actually about all that bad of a dude. Um, he was also one of the 
Houston Astro guys. Okay, I I haven't seen Major League in forever, but I still say, you know, fuck you, Joe Boo, I'll do it myself. Everyone says that, but I also love, he's going to need a rocket up his ass to catch that one. Nice. (laughs) The line I use the most is, I actually even used it today. I was playing tennis right before we got here, and someone hit a ball way out, and I went just a bit outside. (laughs) And I do that one all the time. I I did that when I played hockey. I do it anytime I can. I love that line. Oh, dude, I, I do need to rewatch. When was the last time you've seen Major League? Does it hold up? Uh, I mean, the last time I saw it, which was probably maybe three years ago, and yeah, it absolutely held up back then. Nice, nice. So, Got to rewatch it. Yep. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke. (laughs) Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies comics or video games they should definitely check us out oh well then thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time talking back all right uh kramer fell asleep in his hot tub and apparently you know it's it, it the power went out or, or something screwed up and now his hot his, hot, his heat pump went out and so now it's super cold in like the 50s or something. Yeah. And I never realized it before. So there's a shot prior before the bastard scene where where you see him in there in the hot tub. Um, nothing worth noting because nothing happens except yeah. for the fact that I noticed that he had candles up. And I was like, oh, those are candles. And then here, when it cuts to here and he's freezing, all the candles are out too. And I was like, that's a oh. really good little subtle you know thing that they did. And I never yeah, noticed a- it, but it helps, you know. 
you know what? Exactly. Because I was starting to write the note of, okay, Kramer is in the hot tub. And then, like, it just went away. It, and yeah. so I was like, all right, screw it. I didn't realize that they showed the passage of time in that manner. That's good. Yeah. And then, and then Michael Richards, like acting of him cold is yeah. outstanding, dude. I feel, I feel for Kramer in that moment, you know? Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. At Monk's, Jerry confronts John Paul with his lack of confidence in Elaine. You know, he just, he doesn't believe that Elaine will get him to the race on time. So he wants to put him up in a hotel with a wake up call. They never fail. And I'm like, Except for the one that failed just the fucking episode before this. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, well, uh, yeah, just a little bit of inconsistency. It, it just felt like these two episodes should not have been back to back. You know, give them a little bit of time so you don't remember <laughs> this one right here, <laughs> the one right before. But, oh, well. Yeah, seriously. Uh, yep. George comes in and he's all son of a bitch this and, you know, all <laughs> hey, that <you> talk. Bastards. <laughs> bastards. John Paul really into it yeah why not because he, he's into the he's he's into the energy it's such a fun energy john paul is a super nice guy exactly i mean and i, I don't want to say like naive i don't want to say naive but he is somebody who just kind of goes along with whatever people say you know he's pretty trusting that's what yeah. that's what it is he's trusting yeah and honestly to be truthful with you every time i watch this episode i like the actor that plays john paul and he fits so well with the other characters and the other actors i almost wish he was always a part of the group because i kind of I, I really dig him i always have um i think he's funny and i think he goes well with them but yeah it's but it's, it's his characters like that. his character seems a little trusting but also like yeah. yeah man i'm down i'm cool i'm hip you know yeah exactly like bring him in you know kind of like the couple times like you did babu bot yeah. you know or mickey or that kind of thing just have him be in a every now and then dude i like yeah, that. I like John Paul. So, Kramer comes in and he's freezing. You know, I love John Paul's little line. This son of a bitch is ice cold. <laughs> yeah, that is that's a classic Seinfeld line right there. It is. It's very good. So the Astros guys call George from the plane and they're all kind of yelling at each other, doing their bastard talk and whatnot. Uh, and then Wilhelm overhears it and freaks out and thinks obviously that George, which in Wilhelm's defense, it sounds about right. Yeah. It's, so, he's only hearing one half of the conversation, you know. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, he's all worried. Uh, Elaine still can't get her writing project figured out. Uh, Jean-Paul talks to uh, the unwed lady across the hall, and him still thinking that bastard and son of a bitch is a cool thing to say, he calls the little bit, oh, how is this little bastard doing, or whatever <laughs> he said. And she is just appalled, you know. And the landlord overhears as well and ends up kicking out John Paul. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, Kramer got himself a new heat pump, something with 17,000 BTUs. It was their biggest one they had. <laughs> and Jerry... He gets the call from John <laughs> I, Paul. I love that. I so, love it. I love how ready he is for it. Yep. So he sets up uh, JP in a hotel. He puts uh, the alarm on adult contemporary. And I'm like, really? Adult contemporary? Like, I felt like they were setting up for a joke there by putting it on, like, adult contemporary. And then you were going to get some Kenny G shit. And then they weren't going to wake up to Kenny G or whatever it is. <laughs> Just sleeps right through it, you know? Yeah. Yep. But that doesn't end up being the joke. What it does is he uh, he calls the wake up service guy, or you know the um, the the hotel management or the hotel lobby, uh, and asks for a wake up call at a time. And he keeps pressing him. You know, it's really important. Got to make sure you do it seven fifty or six fifty in the morning. And the guy ends up pissing off the guy. And so now Jerry's too worried to stick to stick around at the hotel, even though they have an alarm clock. Now this is a bit of a you know, you had to be a bit of a 90s kid or at least like early 2000s kid. Um, 
at the latest, you know, to understand you didn't carry around your alarm clock with you. You know, both of them back in, you know, nowadays they would have one person's phone, the alarm clock that's in the hotel, the other person's phone, and then also trying the, uh, you know, wake up service. They really wanted to like, you know, quadruple it up um, to be safe. But like, you know, back then you only had the alarm clock. Yeah, dude, uh, my dad came to visit, you know, you know, everybody knows. And uh, first, like second day he was here, he just was looking around. He's like, what the hell are the clocks? Like, what time is it? And I'm like, you have a clock in your pocket. Like, we don't yeah. own a clock. There's no point. Yeah, no. Just like, but there's no, no point God, to have no. a phone on the wall. I, I don't have a landline. I don't have a clock. I don't need it. Everything tells me. I can put up my computer. I can see it right now. It's 4.19 p.m. PST. I can go on my fucking TV. I can see the time. Yeah. I can go up my phone and see the time. I don't need a clock. Yes, I, yeah. I, I can look at the sun. I can see a time like Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, your, your body has an internal clock. It just it, knows. It does. It does. And you know what? Nighttime is only a couple hours anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, exactly. No, no, Corey. <laughs> it's like half the time. I, I know, but I love how Kramer said that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Elaine gets back and JP is gone. She ends up talking to the neighbor who thinks Elaine blabbed about the whole, you know, unwed bit and uh, the whole being unwed. And she realizes it was Jerry. Yeah. Something fucked up with Jerry. And she she does the Newman, but for yeah. Jerry. Jerry. And I love that. But did this is also another first first thing that I noticed. And I had to re- actually rewound it. So when the neighbor comes out of her door, the door closes behind her, but that's where the light was coming. So you can tell that a uh. stagehand behind the door actually grabbed it and pulled it back because it didn't hit her and bounce back. It just like it stopped and then got pulled open. And I was like, ah, I saw what you did there. Yeah. Gotcha. So there was a stagehand right behind it. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. So uh, Jerry and JP go to his apartment and so he's putting uh jp on the couch uh which does not sound very nice you know good good night rest sleep but jerry goes over to have kramer set his mental alarm and he i can't remember whatever the sound he does <laughs> yeah yeah he does and a, he uh yeah, he sets his mental thing. alarm <laughs> elaine on the street she's worried about jp doesn't know where he's at uh, she started we getting some more seinfeld inner monologue she's talking this whole story it all kind of comes to her and then, you know, she's just kids crying in the distance. Probably you know, a bastard. <laughs> she's probably a bastard. She's sore. You know, everything except her feet. Her feet are resilient because she changed out her her heels for the Himalayan walking shoes. Yeah. And she has her piece. She has this glorious shot that comes from above where she triumphantly reaches to the sky. Uh, to me, that is, I mean, that's a, that's a, good, that's a, that's a trailer shot. And I feel yeah. like I've seen it in Seinfeld trailer moments. Yeah. Yeah, and I love this scene, dude. I thought this scene was very well done. I thought the uh, uh, Lane's dialogue, her monologue, was fantastic. I, I mean, I always chuckle at the when she's like, "It's, it's probably a bastard," you know, about the baby <laughs> crying. It's, it's good, yeah. man. And then the fact that she, it, it all leads to her finally getting this, and and she becomes essentially Jay Peterman. I, I love mm-hmm. it. I think this scene is awesome for Elaine, especially since. You know, I like calling it out because we've called out before in previous episodes and previous seasons when they don't treat Elaine, they don't give her, like, good stuff to do, you know, on the show. This is a really good scene for for Elaine, I think. Yeah, it's solid. Absolutely solid. So, uh, Kramer's big-ass heat pump uh, blows all the fuses in the apartment complex, and now power is out in the building. Jerry wakes up late in a panic, and now I have to rush JP out, and they have to hurry to get them out of there. Um, they get to the marathon, they get JP just in time. It looks like he comes in partway into the marathon, but yeah. I'm assuming that they got him at the start line somewhere. Yeah. 
but it was strange. It did look like they were just partway in, you know? And, yeah, and, they, and like it was just already happening, and he's just yeah. like, okay, I'm just going to run in with the flow. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Then again, I've never attended a marathon. Um, I've never run in a marathon, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe the finish line does look, or the, the starting point does look that packed. But yeah, yeah. for me, as, even as a kid, I was always like, it looks like they're just throwing them in the middle. Isn't that cheating? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be cheating. Um, but one thing that uh, Keisha kind of let me know about marathoning is that, so you notice John Paul's number is 29. Okay. Um, usually when I see like my friends doing marathons, they have a big fucking number. Yeah. So some marathons, and I think usually these are like the the big time marathons, the ones that are like either like, you know, a Boston qualifier or, or Olympics qualifier or whatever. I, maybe not Olympics qualifier, but Boston, like those other kind of like big old qualifying races. Um they will kind of put the smaller numbers on those more elite racers sometimes. Okay. I don't think it's an every time. Or if you're a really, really big elite racer, they'll put your name on there uh, and not, not even a number. But sometimes those numbers kind of correlate to your start position or your start time or your kind of corral kind of situation. And they usually get the elite runners to go fast. So that way they are there's less people in front of them to dodge around. Yeah. Um, and they have the best chance to kind of hurry and, and rush and, and finish first. So uh, so he's had a pretty low number. So if this was one of those races that he did, that kind of shows, hey, he's probably a pretty elite dude. Obviously, he made the Olympics. He, yeah, I was, was going to say proven by the fact that he made the Olympics. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, while watching the runners, I, I thought they were near the end at this, but I guess they were just like maybe partway through. Um, because they didn't show that they did they say there he was on the final stretch or anything I don't remember uh, I don't think it, so yeah they, it was something like he, they're coming around the the corner you know it was something yeah, I didn't really pay attention yeah to it. I don't think they're like it, at the finish line or anything as know? long yeah they shouldn't have been because why would they be having water at the yeah. near the finish line yeah like if anybody is stopping or slowing down to get water near the finish line you're probably not that best of a runner yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and, and so it's it, so clearly Griffith Park too by the way yeah <laughs> so which. For people, Griffith Park is in Los Angeles. It's uh the the Hollywood sign is kind of is is in Griffith Park, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, anyway, he is rounding this corner and he's in the lead. It's John Paul in the lead, and so uh, he heads out. He kind of gets towards the crowd, which the crowd is all handing out these waters. Which one crowd don't the crowds don't hand out waters in marathons? They have specific water stations where there are designed people who have a table who are handing out the waters. Um, but however they did it in Seinfeld, apparently this race, kind of the people were reaching out from the crowd. Kramer had his coffee because his body temperature is still low from uh, sleeping in the cold water from earlier at the hot tub. JP grabs Kramer's hot coffee and he screams off camera. <laughs> yeah, which is always good because you know what it is and you know what happened. You don't need to see it. The scream's no. enough, you know. And you know, and and they do put like the the proper cups right near him, so it's not like it was just a, an isolated, you know, stand. Like no. you know, Kramer. Well, that's like, the thing. You know, th th that's what I'm complaining yeah. about. Is like they were they were pushing out all these other cups around the the um the audience. Like that's not where water stations are. So nowadays in marathon, the only thing I know from marathons is from shows like Seinfeld. So I assume that it was the audience members or, or the people watching the ones giving out the water. But now you actually, the runners see that it's actually like an official oh, sort yeah. of stand or whatever, which they, I mean, they, they have set up tables like yeah. right on the, on the route. And it would have been inside the, um, you the know, the blockade or, that okay. they had. There's no way it would have been outside handing out like that. Yeah. They would have had tables right next to it where they're doing that handoff. Okay. I would, I mean, Granted, I've only done like some 5Ks and whatnot, um, 
but I don't think they would ever have, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, well, what, you're, what you're saying is it's obvious. Like, you can see where the yes. water is when if you're in the marathon. Absolutely. Okay, okay, so. okay. And, and maybe and, it's because of Seinfeld. Maybe they started doing that because, of, yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> and it's not, the, you know, the most, like, sanitary thing to just randomly grab water from, from people that you don't no. know, you know? No, God, no. So... <laughs> All right, and then uh, we start credits, and we get a little tag here uh, of George and Steinbrenner because he was uh, talking to Steinbrenner a little bit because he's obviously, uh, you know, has been annoyed and is stressed from work. Haha. So Steinbrenner, obviously Larry David, uh, is you know in a hot tub with him to calm him down, and it's just awkward for George and. Ha ha ha! I didn't. I didn't. I mean, it didn't do anything for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't. George just is like sitting there talking to him, and, and Steinbrenner just you know is always over talking him, and George is like slinking yeah. down into the the tub, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's 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 okay, you know. Um, I always get a. I always have a baseline enjoyment of anything Steinbrenner, just because I like the way Larry David like sort of talks. Like, so I'm always like baseline enjoying it, but honestly, it didn't really bring anything to the episode, mm-hmm. and I don't know if like I don't know. If, if, if we needed any closure from anything else um, because I feel like we got almost closure on everything but I didn't need this at all yeah. you know absolutely and I almost feel like maybe they could have just thrown in a, another stand up at the end and give us a, a final stand up maybe uh, something you know I don't know it just felt like it was a, it was a wasted stinger for this one yeah, yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, um, I would have something else maybe bring back the Astros guys for something I don't know or just the, yeah, the Steinbrenner one did nothing. Yeah, it, it, it just did yeah, not help. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, something. I have no clue where, but there could have been something that you could have fleshed out yeah. further. So. Um, but yeah, but you know, it's 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 interesting. We we kind of burned really quickly through this episode, but I think it's because it's a for me. I thought it was a very fast paced episode, but not in a bad way. Like how we talk about how scenes are coming at us so fit fast, where you kind of can't keep track. I, I didn't mm-hmm. feel like this had too many scenes. I just thought. It was really well paced, and you know, one thing just builds on another. They throw a little quick joke at you, and then boom, you're on to the next scene. And it almost almost feels like a a marathon unto itself. But, like, again, I don't find this to be a bad thing about this episode. I think it just moves by at a very fun pace. I like how everything sort of gets wrapped up. You have a conclusion to John Paul, you have a conclusion to Jerry, you have a conclusion to George, and you have a conclusion to Elaine's thing. I think Elaine's conclusion is probably the most satisfying of all of them but you have a conclusion to everything and i like that uh kramer you know kramer's whatever his life just goes on anyways it doesn't really (laughs) matter matter there you know but uh yeah dude i thought this episode was a lot of fun i always always like seeing jean paul you know he's he's a great character a great side character uh and uh yeah i think the only thing really holding this back truthfully for me the opening stand-up was I, I don't even know what Jerry was fucking snorting before doing that one, man, because that <laughs> thing was fucking wild. Um, it was just crazy. And then just the stinger, just it, just it wasn't necessary, you know? So honestly, because of those two things, I, I almost knocked, had to knock it down like a half a notch, you know? Just the bookends. The bookends just mm-hmm. weren't great. But I, I, I still freaking loved what was in the, the beautiful meaty center, so I had to give this one four bastards out of five. Nice. Uh, yeah, very similar with you on this one. We had some good, well-known Seinfeld things here, specifically the alarm clock stuff, you know, uh, the whole bastard son-of-a-bitch stuff was really good. Elaine's thing, uh, stuff with uh, John Paul in, in general, I really like that, you know, her lack of, of you know, <laughs> them believing in her, um, and then also still Jerry kind of fucked up that, <laughs> but... 
Um, the Himalayan walking stuff, I didn't love that it didn't grip me all that much, but I didn't dislike it. I understand it's kind of setting up more her stuff with Jay Peterman, and that is going to become a big part of her just overall storyline in Seinfeld from here on out. Kramer stuff was weird enough to just fit random Kramer. It didn't need to have a massive bit, but it did tie in because him blowing, you know, the fuses ended up causing issues for John Paul and and, Joe, and Jerry, um, and him obviously being too cold, getting the, the coffee ended up uh, causing issues as well. A lot of people burned from coffee this season. You know, it's a big thing. <laughs> yeah, so, clearly. Um, but yeah, like, so it, it all tied in pretty well. And similar to you, I gave it four out of five separate knobs. <laughs> I, you know, I almost, I was thinking while you were talking, uh, maybe having just Jay Peterman reading at the end, like, like literally just dead silence, just him in his chair reading what That'd she wrote. And then don't even get a reaction, just having him reading it and then kind of leaving it like, like with like, do we uh, not know, you know? I, you know what? I, you know, I'm just thinking about it. Yes, I would have loved that. Would have been really good. Get him li- reading it, you know. And she doesn't have to be in the shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just, just him reading it. I, this is how I would like it. And he goes through the whole thing. Oh, my feet are resilient. And then he just kind of looks to himself. That's crap. <laughs> like, something <laughs> yeah. like that. I would have loved it. That would have been. Yeah. That would. That would have been perfect. Yeah. Exactly. Especially <laughs> it would have been juxtaposed with how excited she was. Exactly. For, for doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But. Yeah, oh Steinbrenner. I mean, you know, I don't hate the Steinbrenner character, but I do. do. I I'm not. I, 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 well, don't, yes. I don't like him. Uh, so at this I don't point, like him. at this point in in uh, with it with that character, just up until now, has he even given you Adam anything to really bite into? Like, have you enjoyed no. really any of the Steinbrenner stuff? I would say, I think part of the problem is is they overuse Steinbrenner. Bring him on like twice a season max, you know, because I get it. You don't see him. It's not really Steinbrenner. Like, I'd rather him be almost this great and powerful Oz kind of character mm. that you hear about him and you hear about him and it's so ridiculous. Um, and then you see him just very sparingly. But, like, you get him all the time. And, and maybe it's just because the fact that it's just like, I know it's not Steinbrenner. I know it's Larry David. And I feel like it's overplayed. Probably because I've watched it 20 times over or through. And so I just don't think the joke lands like maybe it did when it first uh, came off in the 90s. But overall, I just think it's an overused joke because Steinbrenner just being ridiculous isn't, I mean, when he is constant like that and you always see him like that, it gets less and less ridiculous Ridiculous, and you just start accepting him as that. Yeah. Like you just want to see him, I want to see him less because you know he's the owner and he runs a fucking, the biggest goddamn baseball team in the world. And so constantly seeing him like this kind of doofusy guy, but then there's still, you're not seeing him. So you can't relate to him. There's that whole separation part of it as well. I think it ultimately hurts the bit. And, and now like George has interacted with him so much just in this first few, like we're not even yeah. through the first half of this season. And he's interacted with him so much that George isn't even like nervous to talk to Steinbrenner now. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like he's the owner of the Yankees. You should, exactly. there should always be like a level of like, Oh God, I have to go talk to Steinbrenner. Now twice it's like, a season. He needs to be like the fucking cowardly lion. And every like twice just, he gets to, Oh God, you got to go talk to Steinbrenner. And then he talks to him and he's a doofus. Like, yeah, you're right. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, yeah, you're, you're, you're hundred percent correct. So yeah, that's, yeah, I, I didn't ever, I never really sort of looked at it that way, but I, I am going to start, I'm going to start breaking away from just enjoying the, 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 the voice and actually see what the character, because he's a character, what the Steinbrenner character is bringing to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving forward, I will pay attention to that. I will say he didn't bring anything to this episode at all. 
but we still enjoyed the episode. Yes. Two fours is a solid, solid. rating. This is a, a worthy episode. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yes, I know. I, I did too. I very much did too. I think that's why it went by so fast because it was just a, such mm-hmm. a fun episode. And you know what has worthy episodes everywhere? Every episode, every show in the BFOP network has worthy episodes. Every single show. That means every episode of Podcasting After Dark. All what? Are oh, you guys are at uh, 120? Something like that? Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. We're pushing, uh, we're into season three now, or year three now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Every episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast, we're at 190 that we've recorded now uh, and should be up with that. Every episode of Action Action, and they're at like 150 or something like that, I think, or maybe 160 now. Yeah. Um, every episode of... Talking Back. Talking Back. They're over 100. <laughs> yeah. Aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah every, every, holy crap. Holy crap. And every episode of <laughs> People Don't Forget, they're much shorter. They're around like, I think, 15, 20. Yeah. Um, but if you want to get on the ground level on them, the thing is, every episode of every show on the Blast from Our Past Network is awesome possum. And don't forget about Throwback Trivia Takedown. It's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, well, you know, they're, they're, one of the hosts is a real douche on that one. <laughs> is he also the the host of uh, Curb? Uh, Cartwright Presents Curb? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he hosts four podcasts. One idiot. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, and if you guys, uh, obviously, Adam said earlier, if you guys want to check out uh, all of our episodes, please uh, check out our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash Cartwright. And uh, we also have Curb Your Enthusiasm over there. We are currently pushing uh, almost halfway through season two, or at least in our recording of it. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun. And then we have every single episode of Cartwright there from the very first episode all the way up to this one and uh, all ad free and uh, hitting you hitting right in your ears. So good time. Make sure make sure you check it out because our next episode is one you do not want to miss. It is the Soup Nazi. So for just one dollar, you guys, one dollar a month, you can get all the other episodes that you're missing on Cartwright of Sunfield podcast, including the Soup Nazi. And if not. No soup for you! Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. Hey everybody, it's your two favorite podcast hosts, Adam and Corey from Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, and we have something very exciting to tell you about. That's right. We have decided to take on not just Seinfeld, but also Curb Your Enthusiasm, exclusive to our Patreon feed. So that means every single month we go episode by episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And the fun thing is, I've never seen Curb Your Enthusiasm before, so I am super excited to go down this road with you, Adam. But even better, when you join at the Curb Your Enthusiasm tier, you also unlock the complete back catalog of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, totally ad-free. So you get Seinfeld, you get Curb, and you get Adam and Corey. What else could you want? I don't know, maybe to dip my bald head in oil and rub it all over your body? 
Uh, I'm sorry, Corey. That's another tier. We're not ready for that yet. <laughs> yeah, you're right. All right. Well, now back to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. 